Shabaleth. And so he said, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Now he tells us really three things about Benjamin as a wolf, as a beast. He tells us, first of all, that he devoured. It means to eat up or to consume. It means to try and leave nothing left, but to consume everything, to take everything for yourself. To be a glutton, if you will. And so he says that Benjamin devours, the wolf devours. Then he says this, he says the wolf divides. Look what else he said. He said, as a wolf, in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Now this word divides is an interesting word. It's the same word that's used when God is going to divide the land amongst the children of Israel. It means to take charge and to give out a portion. And so the picture here is that when Benjamin is done devouring and he is full, he has he filled himself as much as he can take. He's still not going to let you come and get what you want. He's going to decide what you want. He's going to be in charge. He's not going to let you eat what, what you desire to eat. You can't have it unless he says so. He's devouring and he's dividing. And then he's determined that. Look at the verse again. Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. How often is he doing this devouring and dividing? In the morning and at night. It is continual with him. He is determined that he's going to have his way and have the best. And if there's anything left over, you're going to have to come and ask Benjamin what you have. He is the Lord. He is obedient. But now wait a minute. There's another passage of Scripture I want you to read. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 33. In Genesis 49, we have Jacob talking about his boy. In Deuteronomy 33, we have Moses about these boys. Now watch what it says. Deuteronomy 33. What will Moses say about Benjamin? We've seen what Jacob said. Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey. At night he shall divide the spoil. What will what will Moses say about Benjamin and his descendants? Look at Deuteronomy 33 and verse 12. And of Benjamin he said, now watch this, the beloved of the Lord. The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. Well, we got another contradiction. We just had Benjamin the beast. Now we've got Benjamin the beloved. Doesn't seem to match up. We've got him devouring. But here we have him dwelling in safety. Now, I know there is a reference in this passage as well. I believe city of Jerusalem, which was in Benjamin's was, was in Benjamin's portion. But I want you to notice what it said. And of Benjamin he said, now watch three things about him. First of all, he's the beloved of the Lord, and he'll dwell in safety by him. The second thing he says is the Lord shall cover him all the day long. And the third thing he says is he shall dwell between his shoulders. Now, when you read about remember when the shepherd left the 99, that parable, left the 99 in the wilderness and went after the one lost sheep and when he found it, what did he do? He put it on his shoulders and carried it back. So you know what we have a picture of here? We've got a picture of the sheep. We have Benjamin in Genesis 49 as a wolf. But we've got Benjamin in Deuteronomy 33 as a lamb. Think about it. He said, the beloved of the Lord. Jesus 
how the good shepherd loves his sheep. He lays down his life for them, right? Right? He's the beloved of the Lord. And watch what it said. The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in the safety I am. Where's the safest place for a sheep? As close as he can get to the shepherd. That's the safest place. And then he said this, and he said, and the Lord shall cover him all the day long. What's the shepherd doing all day long? He's watching out. He's covering them. He's keeping the enemies away. He's making sure they have what they need. And then it said this, he shall dwell between his shoulders. What does the shepherd do? When a sheep can't keep up or when a sheep has gone astray and he goes out and gets what do you do? He puts him on his shoulders and says, you've got to care for the shepherd. That are saved. But you know what we want? But you know what we want? He got that old wolfish nature. That old man. And we have that new nature imparted into us by the Holy Ghost when he moved into the presence. Somebody said, Well, preacher, there's no wolf in me. Has there been any biting? Has there been any clawing or scratching around your house today? So, Rachel, why is that? Because of that wolf. That wolf. That wolf that wants to devour. That wolf that wants to divide. That wolf that wants to have its own way. Because when we got saved, we had a new nature given us by the Holy Ghost. He moved in us. And here's what He's doing. He produces the fruit of the Spirit in us, which really is nothing more than the character of Christ reproduced in our life. That's what he's doing. But along with that new man in me is that old man. And that old man, I'm directing him to be dead, but he don't like to act dead. He don't like to stay dead. He wants to rear his ugly head. And he has some appetites that he's always had. Are you listening to me now? And some desires that he's always had. And he used to go unchecked. There's that wolf nature, and there's that lamb nature. Somebody said, well, preacher, I got saved. I won't ever, I won't ever lose my temper again. Well, I hope you don't, but probably you will. Well, I got saved, preacher. I won't ever, I, I won't ever think about. Well, I, I wouldn't count on that. Man. That old man is still there. He's still there, that old nature. And he wants to, he wants to get, he wants to get involved in things that will not be involved in. That old man. Now, there's a picture of Ben's the believer. There is the warfare. The Bible said there's a warfare in us. The Bible said this. Paul said, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So they cannot do the things you would. There are contrary things inside the believer. That old man. That old man. He don't want to do this. The lamb does. But the wolf does. The wolf don't want to pray. The lamb does. But the wolf does. That wolf didn't want to come to church. The lamb did, but the wolf did. The wolf wanted to lay back in the easy chair and skip the 
house of God. That's what the wolf wanted to do. But the lamb wanted to come hear the word of God. You know what the wolf wanted to do? He wanted to get out of the way. But the lamb said, be kind. going on. And the warfare is between the old man and the new man. We'll call them the wolf and the lamb. Not only is there a warfare, but there are two walks. You know what? The, the wolf walks differently than the lamb does. What is the wolf's walk like? You know what we're warned about in the New Testament? I saw one in the bookstore today at Crown College. It was a wolf in sheep's form. What was it? Deception. Picture of deception. Calculation.
said in Isaiah 53, they asked this question, who shall declare his generation? And the picture there is when a man dies, Preacher, who you talk about? I'm talking about you and I, but we're born again. His spiritual seed. And how did that come about? It didn't come about because he thought he had to go away and he clawed and he scratched and he bit and he growled. No, it came about. Now, that brings me to this point. I want you to notice a word of prophecy. I want you to go to Isaiah and I want you to look at in Isaiah chapter 11. I want you to see this verse in Isaiah 11. Because here's a verse that mentions the wolf and the lamb together. Isaiah chapter 11. Now, in Isaiah, what's happening is God has given Isaiah a vision, uh, a vision of health, a vision of consolation. And it's for the near future. But, Isaiah's going to do what many times prophets do in the Old Testament, and especially Isaiah does it often. He's going to look beyond the near future and see the far away future. And he's going to see a fulfillment not only immediately, but off yonder down the way. It's called dual fulfillment in the Bible. And so, in Isaiah chapter number 11, he's talking about uh, what's about to happen, but then he goes beyond that, and he begins to talk about the millennial kingdom of Christ. Now watch what he says, starting in verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Watch this now. And branch. You see that word branch is capitalized? Because it's not talking about a thing, it's talking about somebody about the Lord Jesus. A branch shall grow out of his root, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked, and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now you always talk about, talk about the millennial kingdom of Christ, the thousand year reign of Christ upon this earth. You say, preacher, aren't you believe in the millennial reign? I do. I'm a pre-tribulationist and a pre-millennialist. I believe I'm going to get raptured out before the tribulation comes in, but I don't believe I'll be gone forever. I believe I'll come back within one day. One fellow said, one fellow said this way, he said, we're going to leave this world like Superman and come back like the Long Ranger. We're going to fly out with him and come back riding them white horses. Amen. And we're going to come back and he's going to set up a millennial reign for a thousand years and the Lord's going to reign on this earth. Now you say, can I just throw this in? This is a parenthetical. What's that millennial reign all about? Well, I don't know all it's about, but I know one thing it's about. God is going to prove once and for all that can make there no question that man is a sinner. Because we keep saying, as an excuse, I'm the product of my environment. So the Lord's going to come back and lift the curse, and for a thousand years there'll be no curse on the earth, and the Lord will be a righteous ruler, and we'll live in a perfect environment. And at the end of that thousand years, he's going to let the devil loose, and he's going to lead a whole During that millennial reign, I want you to notice what the Bible said happens in verse 6. And the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Now that's not surprising because 
down and get the contest. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw with the ant, uh, excuse me, like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the ass, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, think about the context. He says the wolf and the lamb will dwell together. But if you read the context, they're not dwelling together in conflict. They're dwelling together in peace. Many places, but there's some place in our life you said no. You said, I can't see it that way, Lord. This is Benjamin we're talking about, right? Did you know there were two men from the tribe of Benjamin who illustrate this truth? They're both of them, both of their names. In the Old Testament, there's a Saul who started out as a Like the end of his life, he looks like 
this time. I tried to do that. I don't know if I will do that. I want you to think about wolves and lambs a moment. Because in the Bible, we have what we call He will say in Romans chapter number 12, I will teach you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reason. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, the acceptable and perfect word of God. Where did Paul ever get such a Then he got it from Philippians chapter 2, where Paul said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in the form of the servant was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God often kind and exalted him, and given the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus, that we can bow things in heaven, heaven and things in earth, things under the earth, and heaven does the success, but he gives us Christ the Lord and the glory of God the Father. And you say, preacher, if I let God in my life, Use me up, Lord, for your honor and glory. You devour me so 
passage of Scripture in Isaiah 53. Look over at Isaiah 53. This is a passage prophetically about Christ. You read a lot of verses here. We won't take time to read them all. But read verse 7. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed, talking about Jesus. He was afflicted, yet he opened out his mouth and watched it. He had brought us the lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened out his mouth. We know he's the lamb of God. The sacrifice. But wait a minute, let's read it down here. Watch verse 12. Therefore, will I divide a portion of his divide him a portion of the great Watch this And he shall divide. It looks like the lamb loses. When Paul talks about we are counted as sheep for the slaughter all the day long, we say, well, preacher, the lamb is losing. No, I just read it. The lamb is losing. The lamb is the winner in the end. He said, well, I'm going to live like the wolf. The wolf doesn't win in the end. The wolf doesn't get to the divide. The wolf ruins his life and everybody's heart around him. It's the lamb that wins. It's the lamb that comes out on top. It's the lamb that doesn't divide in the end. It's a lamb that wins. You say, what's in it for me? We win with him. Amen. We get to rule and reign with Christ. The truth of the matter is, it's wonderful in this life that my life would be used up and devoured, that his life might be manifest in my life. That's a wonderful thing right there. And then I'm going to get to heaven. Amen. I'm going to get to rule and reign with Christ. You say, what's in it for me? You get to glorify the one that loved you and died for you. Paul said, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This may be what John was thinking about when he said he must increase, but I must decrease. This is probably what Paul was thinking about when he said, I am crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live yet not I, but Christ which liveth in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I die daily. He said, I'm now ready to be offered. We look at Paul and say understood what life was about. It was not about being the wolf and devouring and dividing. It was about being the lamb and being offered. You know what? The lamb wins. You're not going to win if you live like you live. You'll live a life of destruction and sorrow and death and destruction. And I believe if we surrender to it, you'll make that lamb Save ourselves. So all people to see us. I want you to Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 10 to his disciples. He said, Behold, I send you.
Father, you help us. When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he was threatened, he threatened not, but he committed himself unto